What is going on, almost Canaanites and almost Canoners? It's me, as always, your host into the unknown, your guide on this voyage of wonder, Nicholas Willard. Thank you. Thank you. No applause, please. It's not needed. But before we get into things, you know, I got some, got a little bit of news. Uh, I just want to go over really quick. Nothing too, too important or anything. But um, so this, this happened on Saturday, which would have been May 20th. A unidentified flying object, or as we like to call them now, uh, an unidentified aerial phenomenon uap for short uh was spotted by a pilot of a passenger plane that was flying into into an airport in turkey um so he saw this this pilot saw this this uap on his radar um it was at approximately nine thousand feet and you know he reports this incident and it shuts down the whole airport for 12 hours, cancels 26 flights, um, you know, while the authorities investigated this UAP. And they, they never figured out what it was, um, and it's still a mystery. And then on Monday, let's see, that would have been The 22nd, so yesterday, a second unidentified flying object or unidentified aerial phenomenon was seen by another pilot in Taiwan. So he's flying his plane into the into the international airport there. Um, and and he sees this this UAP about a thousand feet. Uh you know, about a thousand feet in the air. He's picked it up on, on radar, I'm guessing. And that shuts that airport down for 40 minutes. Um, they believe, the authorities believe that that would, you know, they, it was most likely a drone of some sort, but they're, they're not sure. So who knows? Maybe they were UFOs. I mean, they seem to be popping up all over the place nowadays. Like that one that uh, they shot down in Alaska. Not too long ago. Um, yeah, that wasn't a weather balloon, people. That was an alien spacecraft. Shh. We can't say it too loud or though. They might hear us. Tonight, on Almost Cannon, we have another guest coming on to talk about his experiences as an urban explorer. His name is Nick Arduini. He is local to my area. He's a friend of mine. Uh, and throughout his years of exploration, he's roamed the halls of many abandoned buildings, including several well-known 
sanatoriums like Undercliff and Seaside and Elmcrest, all of which are very large and known to be very haunted. And I think he even has an encounter story to tell us. I told it once on this show, but I'm sure I cannot tell it as good as he did. So please put your hands together for Nick. Before we get going uh, with our guest, I just wanted to say you guys should uh, rate and review the show. It's very important. It doesn't seem like much. I know. I mean, I listen to podcasts for for years and and I always, you know, I hear these hosts. They're always talking about rate and review, blah, 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 blah. Like, nobody wants to hear that. But the thing is, rating and reviewing is great. The, the easiest way, it's the fastest way for Almost Canon to grow and, and become bigger. I mean, we we have the, you know, paid supporters and that's great, but rating and reviewing is, is I don't want to say even better because, you know, I'm, you know, some of the stuff on the show here costs money, which I'm pretty much paying out of pocket myself as of now. Uh, so paid supporters is great. And very helpful, much appreciated. But rating and reviewing the show is also very important. It bumps us up in, you know, like uh, the iTunes, not iTunes, but the Apple podcast search bar and search fields. Uh, I think I don't even know what we have for ratings right now, but it, we're we're pretty low. I mean, I know there's people out there who listen to the show and it literally takes five seconds all you have to do is you know search almost canon go to the bottom where the stars are you can you know click five stars or four stars or three stars or two stars or one star you know but but don't don't click those ones we obviously we already know that we're a five-star show i know i don't want to pat my own back here or nothing but (laughs) but uh but yeah, so rating and reviewing, it's the fastest, easiest way to support Almost Canon. Bumps us up in Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify, whatever it is that you listen on. I believe Apple Podcast is the, it's like what, like 75% of podcast listeners listen through Apple Podcasts. So it is the most important one. However, Obviously, there's other, you know, one of my one of my biggest, uh, one of the biggest almost canon fans I know. He listens to podcasts through some weird ass hosting platform. I don't know what you want to call it, but uh, but yeah. So it doesn't matter what you listen on. Rate and review the show, or at least rate it. And if you got time, you can review it. I mean, it's always good to leave a review. I know the show's been been shook up a little bit as what it used to be. Uh, I believe Grandpa Bank, he was in a horrible accident. He was on a cruise. Um, the you know he was coming from from England to New York, and this he was on a ship in the North Atlantic, and it hit this this iceberg. They were going too fast. And it they it just came out of nowhere, and before they knew it, they hit this iceberg, and um, 
the boat it it split in half and he's he's in the water he's on this you know he had his wife and she was on this 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 wooden door and he was like she was like don't let go don't let go and he's like i i won't ever i won't let go i promise and and i'm i it's so sad i oh i can i i'm speechless right now i just just thinking about it just brings tears to my eyes and he just he froze to death and and she had to let him go but that's behind us now grandpa bank he's frozen at the bottom of the north atlantic god bless his soul and i hope davy jones takes good care of him rip bank that's all i got to say but yeah, so the show, it's definitely taking a different direction as what it used to, but that's fine. So don't forget, rate and review, it's important. And we will get back to our interview with Nick. Your last name, is it Arduini? It's funny. Yep, you actually got it right. Woo! <laughs> I asked James, so. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. I know some people, I mean, they definitely don't get it right the first try. Yeah, I bet. I don't have a studio anymore because Ben left the show. I know, that's crazy. (laughs) Well, he got a new job, like as a music teacher, and then I just haven't heard from him since. (laughs) He just like, well, I mean, I've heard a couple things from him, but not. Not really anything else. Is he, I mean, does he live nearby or or not really? Yeah, he lives in Jamaica, but I mean, still half an hour away. But uh, I don't know. He hasn't said anything about being coming back. So that's all right, though. But all right, let's see. Let's see what we got here. All right. So you consider yourself an urban explorer? What, what do you I've, see yourself? Just an explorer? Or? Um, it's funny. I mean, at the moment, that's probably more what I'd consider myself. Um, in the past, it was definitely more on the paranormal side. Oh, so, really? Yeah, that's actually how I kind of got started with urban exploring, because originally we were visiting cemeteries. So we started off visiting kind of like infamous cemeteries that were known to have like paranormal activity. One was like the Green Lady Cemetery. That one was a pretty kind of infamous spot in Connecticut, actually. Huh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it has a, if you kind of, if you look into it, it has a really unique history. There's a couple of legends as to what actually happened, but the short version was that somebody was a woman drowned there in like the 1800s. And it was supposedly her spirit that people would see like along the road. And it's just a dirt road, you know, kind of on the outskirts of town, but Right. There's some interesting things even 
in the woods there's like a pentagram and it's been known that people go there and do seances too so there's a lot to it well that's cool i didn't know that that you started off doing that yeah and i and pretty quickly into it though i mean after a few cemeteries um it was pretty quick into it that we did Undercliff Sanitarium. That was what really got me started into. Yeah, so know, that was haunted, right? Yes, and in that place, I mean, if you all right, if you were there in person, what's crazy about that site compared to any other one that I've been to is it really was kind of like built into the mountains so if you were like hiking up to it because the old road was blocked off to the main building it's definitely it's at least like a mile mile and a half from the road and the campus had a number of outbuildings and the interesting part of it where a lot of weird activity was um the basement was where the morgue was and then there was tunnels that connected some of the outbuildings huh and that is in connecticut as well right yes yep let's see i got some notes on it uh opened in 1910 uh, by 1918, it became the first hospital geared towards caring for children with tuberculosis. Yes, that is how it got its start. Uh, and then it became a hospital, changed from TB patients to mental health care. Last patient was discharged on May 28th, 1976. So it's been abandoned for a while. Is it still there? I know one of these places was was taken down. Is, is yes, that... I was gonna say the sad part is Undercliff was demolished. Oh, okay, yeah. Thankfully, though, that was the place I visited the most. Honestly, we probably went there. I'd say easily over twenty plus times. Oh my and god! That might, yeah, that might be a low estimate, but we would. I mean, we were also bringing equipment at that time. So we were trying to capture really anything we could. We would use like film cameras. We would we would really try to go all out with it and, you know, focus on different parts of the hospital each time and different buildings on the site because one of the buildings, which... It later got the nickname the Poor House. Um, that one has an interest in history, but that was the oldest building on the site. And that building, as far as I know, that one building is still standing. But it's nothing compared to like what the main hospital was like. I mean, this building's probably maybe a Oh, an eighth of the size. Right. I think I did see that that little building that was left standing. So and oh, sorry. I was just gonna say you were uh 
try enough to capture like images of ghosts and stuff? Yes. Yep. And I mean, that, that really, I mean, lasted for a while, but I was still kind of focused on the paranormal part to it. And I do have, you know, at least a couple pictures where, you know, based on who you ask, and I mean, I'm convinced of it, there's definitely things that are hard to just explain as like mm. camera error. Right. That was more common, I'd say, in cemeteries, but there's like two pictures that stand out. Um, one of them, it's probably my favorite picture. You re you see like a silhouette of a man, but his face is like blue. And no matter how you like edit the picture, it's still right. there. I feel like I'm learning a whole new new side of you. <laughs> I I just no, thought I'm happy just, like, I... exploring these places, and then this is awesome. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, this <laughs> it's always. It, I mean, now we're going on like almost twelve years since I started with this, and I mean, I'm still you know visiting places and. I'm definitely kind of open to, you know, I'm always still taking photos, so I definitely don't rule out kind of the paranormal part to it. It just hasn't been something I've been able to give a lot of time to recently. Huh. Yeah, I I read that they hear, like, mysterious footsteps and kids crying in there. Have you ever heard any of that? It's fun. So it's funny you bring that part up because that was actually something at another asylum Ooh. <laughs> that we experienced in this one. I mean, <laughs> the setting is actually probably one of my favorites, but this is called Seaside Sanitarium. And it's, actually located like on a beach like the minute you step out of the asylum you're on a beach wow that's cool yeah so that one i mean definitely was in a unique spot but this one i think in the later years it was focused primarily on kids and there and when we were exploring it this is actually when we did hear, you know, what sounded like kids like running around. And it was actually when we were in the attic <laughs> of, the, of this building. So, I mean, it's this was even crazier at night. This asylum we had to do at night. So it was probably midnight when we were there you know and you're in a pitch black attic that leads to the roof and there was i think five of us when we went there and i mean everybody swears by hearing it you know it's one of those things you know if one person heard something you might be skeptical but when 
everyone hears something and I think you kind of could just feel it too. Right. You know, something kind of changes in the air and yeah, it's like the energy, you know, exactly. So I just want to go back to uh, that undercliff really quick. Were you, were you aware that a serial killer uh, buried a body on that property after it had been like, you know, abandoned and all, you know, supposedly buried a body. I, I read that the, he said he buried a body there and uh, he led the, led the police to where he buried it, but I don't think they ever released whether they found it or not. It's crazy you bring that up because I do feel like a long time ago I read about that, but I had honestly kind of forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, you might find this really interesting because one of the times we went up there, you know, kind of going in the same vein of you're saying, mentioning the serial killer this um james was actually there for too but to this day i mean this was probably the scariest encounter because we actually felt like we could have been in danger so i mean once again we're at undercliff this is late at night we're up there and we were in like um a three-sided courtyard where there's only one way out and we were like looking around the outskirts and then we hear voices and we saw it's like um three different people but the creepy thing is they they had like a big bag with them and they had had like a way to get in that we didn't even notice until like the basement and we kind of witnessed them bring something down there and leave. But we were never able to find out what it was because they had like a very intricate lock on the door. But I mean, nobody would be doing it, like officially anything up there. So to this day, I mean, we don't know what they were doing, but we were probably silent for at least like 15, 20 minutes hiding behind a wall, kind of witnessing this take place. And thankfully they didn't see us. Right. But I don't know that kind of thinking of what you mentioned, I feel like in places like that, there's definitely a lot that could happen. Oh yeah. I mean, I can't believe I would be so paranoid every place I went every time of something like that happened. I mean, you got to worry about the ghost, but then you got to worry about the, you know, I don't, I don't know, the homeless people who are, who are living in there or something, you know? Right. And that, I mean, that's probably why, I mean, now I will admit anywhere I go, I go during the day, but that's, also, because, I mean, I'm I'm trying to actually photograph and, I don't know, you're definitely able to get a different experience when you're 
not working in the dark. Right. But by no means does that mean there's any less of a chance that you'd run into somebody. Right. And I mean, it doesn't, it's not less of a chance of whether you see a ghost either. I mean, they don't care whether it's night or day, you know? Exactly. And I mean, I would say if you, we go kind of like to a more recent spot that I visited. This is um a hospital. It's closer to Vermont. It's actually I'm um, in kind of upstate New York. But there, you know, I've definitely had at least one experience, and that was during the day. And that hospital, we actually, you know, stood in the basement in the morgue and actually walked into one of the old coolers where they would like roll the stretcher with a body. And like that experience there, I mean, it was pretty surreal. And I mean, knowing too, you know, hospitals of all places, because this was an actual like hospital and not like a mental asylum, you know, it's a lot more common you know, probably every day that, you know, you have somebody dying or a lot of like traumatic stuff happening there, which I think would definitely make it a better location for activity. Yeah. What place was that? This place is called um, Mary McClellan Hospital. I'm probably mispronouncing it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, that one, a lot of people wouldn't because it's in a very small town. But even though the area it's in, you know, isn't that big i mean relatively speaking the hospital i'd say it's almost double the size of springfield hospital just to give you an idea oh wow yeah so i mean it's a decent sized campus and it was originally um i believe a mental hospital because it had an older kind of like residence hall separate from the main hospital, and then it had a couple of outbuildings, including, like, the doctor's residence that used to live on site. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's definitely another place with, you know, not just activity, but it has kind of, like, a really interesting history to it. Hmm. Any Any ghosts? There, I mean, nothing that I picked up on camera. There, it was definitely more just, you know, you're hearing different things. And, you know, sometimes, well, I shouldn't say sometimes, but always like in an abandoned building, there's obviously going to be a lot of different noises, you know, whether it's animals living inside, but. I think the the difference is, for me anyway, I mean, you just, some things you could kind of explain, other things, you know, would be a lot less explainable. 
Like if you saw like a wheelchair, you know, moving down the hallway kind of on its own or something like that. A couple months ago, you told me about a, uh, I want to say it was like an abandoned theater or something. And you yes. Know, you that... something in there. Yes, that's so that actually now we go to Elmcrest. So that and just to kind of set the scene, so that is probably I'd say kind of the largest campus, even though it wasn't the biggest hospital of any place I've been, it was like the biggest campus. I'd say there was like at least 20 separate buildings. And this, yes, is where we had, and I'll explain the whole scenario, but this was once again, I mean, witnessed by five of us. And it was in, so it was kind of in probably what would have been like the rec hall of the asylum. So in like, the area with the auditorium upstairs there was a room where they would like project the films and there was like a number of different like storage cabinets up there and when we got up there we also actively at this time you know were recording for, for evps and we had you know our cameras with us and when we opened one of like the cabinets, this is, I think, the best way to describe it. It was kind of like seeing like a shadow figure kind of like dart across the room when we opened it. But then, you know, something was like, it would have been the equivalent, especially like the way we reacted, where it's like seeing something almost like, I want to say like jumping out at you for where we saw that shadow go. And like at that moment, we kind of like ran back down the stairs. And then one of my friends, you know, made eye contact with something that kind of like scarred them for a while. Like this was something they talked about for a while afterwards and that night before we even left the campus you know they kept seeing this I want to say like creature but they said it was kind of like demonic looking mm -hmm. and they saw it like numerous times they said it was almost if it was like watching us leave mm. And I mean, that was the only time ever out of anywhere that I went where not only did we see something, but to like be in like a panic where we actually ran out of somewhere. It was like that was all happening kind of like collectively. It wasn't just like one person seeing something like. Is this friend is he or she? Are they someone who. uh who like would make up stories like this or or was this out of the ordinary for them it it was very out of the ordinary for them and like i said not just was it out of the ordinary 
I remember this like very vividly. I mean, they, we were standing afterwards, like on the outskirts of this campus. So like we were across the street from the campus and it was like, you couldn't even get them to come towards the car because they were like, literally like drawn to this and they said that they just it was like this thing was just watching them oh. and like it, it gives me chills because just being in that moment like i said it was like they were in a trance almost like you would try to shake them out of it and they were just staring and like any little thing that they said was it's like it's there like and i mean it was definitely afterwards it was something you know that was talked about for a while it's not something that like i would dismiss even though i mean at the end there it's not like everybody was seeing this thing watching them but kind of reacting to how they were and Right. It would be kind of extreme to think that somebody would just be doing that as a joke when you see that they were like very affected by it. Yeah, I mean that that is scary. <laughs> it is, and I mean the the way I look at it, it's especially like in terms of the paranormal. I mean. Clearly not everybody, I think under the right circumstances, anybody could have an experience, but, you know, I definitely think some people are a lot more sensitive to that type of stuff. And I think sometimes for people, it takes kind of like a dramatic event to kind of awaken those senses like I've heard other people kind of describe that. And this you don't worry about that happening anywhere else? Like that would would be on my mind wherever I went. So, I will admit to you, I mean that aspect of it for me, that's it's not to say like that I try to like scare myself. But at the same time, it's almost like I try to be really aware where I would actually want to make sure that, like, that's a scenario I would want to, like, put myself in. So, like, for example, if I was going to bring, like, an, like a Ouija board mm. to somewhere like that, you know, under the right setting, I'd be open to doing it. Oh, my God. But I honestly, you know, like I said, as of right now, as of late, it's more kind of been the exploring aspect for me. But I never, like I said, rule anything out because in the back of your mind, you're always kind of on alert for something like that to happen. Oh, yeah, I bet. I mean, pretty much anything to have, you know, you kind of have to be on alert in a situation like that, even if it's not paranormal related when you're in. I can I mean, I've been in a couple abandoned places, but nothing like that. But when you're in like 
a building like that or some sort of massive complex that's just you know empty it's it's different and you're on edge you know so you're you're definitely more aware of what is going on around you there's lots of dangers throughout the building that aren't you know people related or paranormal related just the building itself is old and they can fall apart you know you got to watch out for that stuff so yeah and and exactly and i and that's like huge because like one of the biggest things is you know even just walking like you kind of always have to have a bearing where it's like could this floor be rotting out or if I turn a corner too quick, am I going to cut myself on like an old piece of metal or a nail? Right. right. It's like a totally different world when you're in a place like that. So, so how was that friend after weeks after? Or... I'd say if I'm being honest, like two people that were there and I mean, I'm not saying it was because of that, like on their behalf, but they had no interest in going in places like that again because of that experience. But they didn't like, uh, they weren't possessed or anything, right? No, nothing like that. Hmm. Although, I mean, I definitely believe that in one way or another, things like that definitely can happen, but yeah, I mean that that story sounds like it was pretty dang close. <laughs> and I mean in a lot of these I've heard I've heard countless stories of these these buildings being like hot spots for for like occultists doing weird rituals or like Satanists doing weird stuff in there and I don't know how much of that you believe in, or I don't even know how much of that I believe in, but they can, you know, if they're trying to raise a demon or whatever, and trap that demon in that building. I mean, that's not something you want to mess around with. And it sounds like you guys might've, might've gotten pretty close. Cause I looked up that, that Elmcrest uh, hospital and uh, I guess an 11 year old boy was killed while being restrained by an employee. Yes. I mean, it's yep. already got some bad, some bad juju already because of that. I mean, who knows what that uh, breathed into the, into the surroundings. And on that note, I was going to say in general, I mean, the big issue with a lot of these asylums is that especially, you know, in, during the time period where they were, being used a lot i mean very inhumane things were happening to the people staying there so it's like there's already that negative energy from that and you know sometimes people are dying naturally in the case of elmcrest you know even have a patient dying in a really you know negligent scenario to say the least right right um so yeah you had that happen with the i'm just gonna call it the demonic shadow um you had those weird guys locking something in the basement of that other place have 
Any other weird things happen to you? So, let's see. So, if if we're going now back to, like, the cemetery part of it. Yeah, I mean, anywhere, I mean. I'd say, I mean, without, without a doubt. So, if we go back to Green Lady, which, like I said, that was definitely kind of, like, the first spot for us that started it all. So there, we, I, I want to say, you know, maybe kind of we're experimenting a little bit more because compared to anywhere else we visited there, it's kind of like you have a legend. So it was like we went in there knowing all right, this is what people are claiming to see. So I, I just feel like they're, you know, you're putting so much attention on what you're expecting to see. And I'm not saying that that, you know, clouds anyone's judgment, but I definitely, you know, w without a doubt, would say we've kind of... Sorry, the way I'm trying to word this is weird, but when we would go there, you know, we were trying to bring the intention of getting out this particular ghost. Mm. And sometimes we would do it kind of peacefully where, you know, you would we actually were trying to communicate, like right. almost like talking, like if you're here, make your presence known. And obviously, like anywhere else we went, like an asylum, we weren't taking that approach. But there, like I mentioned in the beginning, was all kind of like on the picture side of things where I, I probably have, without exaggeration, like over a thousand pictures from Green Lady. And, you know, they were taken at different times, a lot of times at night, under different circumstances. And I don't know, like somebody can look at that and think, you know, it's fog. But I definitely, like in my opinion, think that there was something to like what we see in some of those pictures. So I definitely feel like that cemetery had activity it just was kind of like in a different way it wasn't anything you know we were seeing in the moment that if that kind of makes sense yeah yeah definitely i mean the pictures are one thing but you gotta have the context behind them you know exactly so yeah, that's cool. I mean, I've never heard of this this um what was what was the legend? Did you say what the legend was behind the summit the ghost in the cemetery? The lady? Oh yeah, I think you did. She drowned, right? Yes. Yep. I mean as far as I'm aware, like even doing research, I mean it seems pretty credible that that story is true because this is a real grave at the cemetery. So this person, 
about this woman. I, I feel bad. I should know her name from the legend. But, I mean, her tombstone, and it's a very old tombstone from, like, the 1800s, I should have mentioned. But that stone is actually there, so it's kind of, like, you have that right. physical piece of who they were. Right. If we could, if you could dig one of those up and send it over, that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Um, what about, have you been in any, like, uh, have you been to any, like, really cool places? Like, uh, I think Vermont, there's, a an abandoned Cold War satellite or something, satellite dish. I don't know what it is. It's something huge. Yep, so I'm really glad you brought that up, because that's actually one of my favorite spots in Vermont. Um, it's the abandoned radar base, and it's yeah, in, that's what it is, yep. yeah. And it's on Radar Mountain. It's a that area I could say is really cool because not only is it in a super remote area of Vermont, like you drive down even to get close to the site, like a dirt road that's like eight miles long. And then when you get to the end of that road, you're at pretty much the base of the mountain. And you kind of have the base camp where there's like a rec hall. There's all the old, you know, areas where everybody would sleep. And then there's an old road. It's about two miles long from there where you actually, you know, take the old road. You can only walk it. And then when you get up to the top, it's pretty surreal up there. And I mean, that everything was pretty just left intact you know obviously everything's been emptied out but you can you know go in the buildings stand on the roof and yeah i've uh i've seen pictures of people being there and like camping on top of it <laughs> i know that that seemed to become like a popular thing for people to do um I've also seen on YouTube this abandoned treehouse. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, apparently, it's got a slide and a trampoline on the inside. And have you ever heard of this place? It's in Vermont. It's funny you say that because somebody that I've gone on a couple explores with has been there, and we we had talked about going there. It looks incredible, but to date, I haven't been there. But I mean, even talking about it now, that's probably somewhere that I'm going to check out and probably the near future. Right. It looks really cool. Like uh, the trampoline from all the pictures, it looks intact. So you could still bounce on it. And there's a slide that goes like underneath the trampoline. So you like walk across the trampoline, get in the slide and go underneath it to where like the right. house part is where like the live, it'd be like the living room underneath the trampoline. I don't know. It's just what it looks like. No, it does. And I mean, God, that's something I feel like you'd only find in Vermont. I know. Super... Like, <laughs> why is it abandoned? Why doesn't someone live there right now? Come on. 
I know. I'd love to know like the history behind what happened with that. Yeah. Um. What about any any other cool places? I think I heard you mention. Uh, uh, you went to a mine somewhere around here, around Chester, I believe. Oh, so actually, maybe so. What What's funny in Chester that there is like an old trail called the Lost Mine Trail, mm. but the mine I think you're thinking of. Um, it's pretty close to here. It's about an hour away. It's in New Hampshire. Oh, wait a minute. You'll love this. There's actually two mines. You may be thinking of the one in Ludlow. I have no idea which one I'm thinking of. I just heard you talk about, I, I was, I forget what I was talking about. And then you were like, oh yeah, there's like huge tunnels down there that I've been in. And I was like, what? That's all I remember. Right. I think I was telling you about the one in New Hampshire. And that site, I mean, is really incredible. Like, it looks like when you're inside it, you're like in an alien planet. Ooh. And it's just a mine, like some sort of old mine. Yep. It's not and active you... anymore? No, it's... um. So I think after it closed, it actually became partially like an attraction that people used to be able to visit was oh, it like ruggles or something yeah yeah all right i think i know that place i've never been there but i remember people talking about like go you can like pan for gold or something you know right no and i think too when it was open that used to be something people did there and the way it's set up i mean there's like all these old ladders there's different parts you could go down into there's have you ever seen sorry 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 i just thought it was really quick it has to do with mines have you ever seen that video on youtube where there's this guy he goes to all these abandoned mines and it's like some mine out in i don't know in the middle of nowhere out west somewhere and it's got all these chains hanging from the ceiling and he you can like hear something it's almost like someone's like talking in the back He's like, what is that? And he gets closer and there's, it's got like all these chains hanging. There's dozens of them. And then there's just one chain in the back. And it's just like swinging back and forth. And he just sits there and films it for like a minute or two minutes. It's, it's creepy. God, I'm going to have to check that out now. Yeah, it's just a, it's a video on YouTube, but it's, it's real creepy. Um, Yeah. Right. It makes you wonder what's going on in that scenario. Right, right. Um, was I think was the mine I was thinking of? It might have been in Andover. Does that ring any bells? No. It's weird. It doesn't. I'm intrigued, but I can't. I do I'm know there's like to... some sort of old quarry out there or something. Um, oh, okay. Yep, we are talking about the same place again. All right, and it might be technically Andover. I thought it was technically in Ludlow. Yeah, but, I mean, um, they kind of like are next to each other. Exactly. And I mean, that place, I know a few people who have kind of done like deep explores into it. I've been there. 
once to the mine and then a couple times to the quarry that's back there, which that's really cool too, because it's like a two mile hike to this quarry that's just way in the woods that's been out of commission for a long time now. Right, right. Um, you must have heard about the caves in Plymouth, obviously. Yes. Yeah, we don't need to tell people where they are, but that's like a kind of, I feel like it's an open secret. Right? I know it's, to date, I mean, it's nothing that I think is really advertised that no, I mean, I've tried to find them online. There really isn't anything at all. Right, which is... It's interesting because this could also be... Well, this is something I can't verify that it exists, but a couple of people have told me about in Chester that there's, you know, I think they the way they describe it, there's like, four different houses that are connected to like an to old like underground railroad tunnels huh. and the person who told me about this said like going back to like the 80s people <laughs> used to actually have parties in them that knew how to get to them oh so they're like abandoned building houses Yes, but but the tunnels, like the the way they described it, there's still a decent amount of them going under Chester. But like I said, I can't confirm that that's true. But that's interesting. There's locals that'll describe that they exist. That some of the houses in Chester, like I said, were connected to this underground railroad. Might. I might know someone who would know about that, and if I'll ask him, and then I'll let you know what he says, because he's he like grew up in Chester, and he's like, I don't. You might know Joseph Citro. He's uh he's he's like the lore keeper of Vermont. <laughs> this guy knows everything. So I'm gonna run that by him and see what he says. That's all. Definitely let me know. <laughs> That's really interesting. I know I lived I I lived in Ashland, New Hampshire for a year when I was going to college up there. And there was a house up the road from me that my roommate's friend lived at. And in their basement, I like I I'm not even joking when I say this. In their basement, there was a room. Uh and they had his parents, they had like kept it. Um, like their parents had owned the house for, I don't know, generations. And they had kept it, um, you know, they they didn't take anything down. And there was this room in the basement, this tiny little door. You walk through the door into this tunnel. I don't even know how long it went. I don't remember, but it was it was ridiculously long. And at the end, there was another room where they would like. Apparently, it was a some sort of you know underground railroad situation. And uh, but I think that's what they said. But I I swear I remember there being like manacles, like shackles, and like chains on the walls. But that could just be my memory playing games with me. God, though, that's interesting. Yeah, like, I don't know what was going on there, but, they, I mean, they brought me down in there a couple times. So, oh, that's definitely cool. So I, I definitely believe there could be some houses in Chester that have tunnels attached to them. It would make sense, and I mean, 
even thinking of like the stone village there's definitely a lot of old homes in chester yeah yeah i wouldn't be surprised if those houses are connected i was gonna say that's that could be where it's more likely to be i mean driving all these roads doing all these routes around here i don't know where there would be four abandoned houses close enough uh that they would be connected but i mean oh well actually i feel bad that part the houses might not necessarily be abandoned though Oh, oh, oh that was the part of it so it could be something where to even get to them you would have to access it from one of these homes. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Which is kind of even more interesting because right? you wonder <laughs> if some people keep that like a secret or... Right? Yeah. yeah. Or like... imagine you don't even know. Like it's somebody that bought a home as like a ski home right. and something's been boarded off in the basement and they don't even know what's there. Yeah, it's like a beginning to a movie or something exactly um so i got some did you did you have any other cool places you wanted to talk about i just had like i have a couple of questions i don't know how long you wanted to go but uh before we get off i just had a couple of things i wanted to ask you about but if you have more more places you want to talk about that's great you know, if I could just name one more place, because there's a lot to it, but because I've been there, I wanted just to bring up real quick the ghost town of Glastonbury. Mm. Perfect. Great. People love Glastonbury stuff. And you know, like, too, that's like in the Bennington Triangle. Yep. So what's interesting about Glastonbury is that it's the one place like in Vermont where it's actually verified. I believe it's either five or six individuals yeah. that have either gone missing or in one case, there was a really strange accident where, you know, somebody basically got the equivalent of being like, crushed or like squeezed to death when they were found oh that's weird i even heard that yeah and that one because you know there's also in a different direction in the bennington triangle there's a lot of stories about people seeing like um a bigfoot Mm. yeah so that kind of goes along with some of the stories but i mean the disappearances at the very least are very strange, especially for Vermont. Are you uh are you familiar with missing four one one? Oh, I'm not actually. Oh, you're not. So it it's a series of books called Missing Four One One. Uh this this he used to be a police officer in like Seattle or something. His name's David uh, Polites. And he just took missing persons cases from Canada and the United States and just kind of compiled them together. But they're not like your normal missing persons cases. So he has like this huge criteria 
and they're like mysteriously you know people who went missing mysteriously and uh it's it's crazy and, and oh and they usually take place in national parks that's what he found national parks and national forests really yeah and and apparently the park service doesn't keep track of people who go missing um within you know within the park god i am definitely and you said it's a series of books that he wrote yeah, yeah like if you're interested, I mean, you can see most of the cases on like YouTube or something. But it he if you want if you want to get the book, go through like his website. I forget what it is. Um, don't buy them on Amazon because they're like a hundred dollars or whatever. But on his website, they're like twenty bucks. You know. No, I I definitely will. That's that's kind of something on the side I always find interesting. Yeah, there's some very strange ones. I know, like, I remember there's one that I always remember. It was just like a guy who was, they were rock climbing somewhere in California or something. And he just like, there are three of them. Two of them were at the top of, of I don't know, this landing. And the third one was connected to the rope. And he just like disappears off the rope and they never found him. And these people who go missing, the 401 people, they're like never found very rarely that they're found like the people in the bennington triangle i think only one of them was ever found in the tri in bennington see and and actually that reminds me too one of my favorite cases like that feel bad for not knowing his name but it took place in like minnesota this case is really famous too because um somebody had it was a kid I think like 18 years old, um, driving home from a party. And he had gotten lost. Well, he, he had gotten into not even like an accident, right? Mm. So, but it was something that he couldn't drive out of. So he's describing to his dad where he is. I know, I know this one, yes. Yelp. So you know how it kind of plays out where his dad, they are on the phone with him. Yeah. Now he claims that he sees what he thinks is a town that he knows. Right. And literally in the course of him walking to the town, I, I believe he either says like something like, oh God, or. Yeah. And then the phone just cuts out. He has never been found to this date. It's like yeah. there's no trace. The trail with the canines just ends. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. It's just like, what happens? It's, it's crazy. Right. I mean, that I think the reason why those cases are so intriguing is because, you know, it's it's one thing, no matter how bad like a murder case is, where, you know, you find the body. At least there's like the closure, but with like some of these missing cases, it just it it really makes you question everything, right? And I have my own theory of of that, but we won't get into that here. That's a whole another podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll have to talk about that sometime. <laughs> yeah, that's cool that you're into that. Um, well, we're talking about missing people. Uh, have you? I was going to ask you about some some like famous 
asylum abandoned asylums but i'm gonna have you ever heard of the paris catacombs i have heard of them yes so this is like urban explorer paradise i guess is what it's described as it's just miles and miles and miles like hundreds and hundreds of miles of of you know tunnels under the city of paris you know and they just go on there's so many miles of tunnels that they haven't all been explored uh have you ever seen the movie as above so below it came out i don't know 10 years ago there they were like treasure hunters who were going you know they're gonna find the uh the philosopher's stone that was supposedly buried in the catacombs and so but they were featured in that movie but they're they're a real thing and they were um they were constructed uh in like the 1780s to to hold the so the cemeteries in Paris they were overfilling and they were spilling out onto the streets right so they took these old uh mine tunnels from when they you know quarried out the stone to build the city they left these miles and miles of tunnels and they took all these the bodies out of the cemetery and they put them in these tunnels so they're just miles and miles of tunnels with skeletons and skulls and bones just everywhere and some of them are like neatly arranged and in like cool designs like they'll put skulls in the walls all over the place and they'll be like like murals and i don't know funky pictures and then some of them are just heaps of bones you know just thrown into these tunnels and people like crawl over them and walk around them and it's 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 weird but it's cool at the same time definitely i mean it's probably i'll be honest like if i was in france i definitely would probably want to visit them right just to like have the experience yeah 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 i think the city they um they lock down most the tunnels like the ways in uh, a lot of the older buildings would have like like basement doors that you could go into but they locked most of them up uh so you, you i guess they like there are certain people who know like secret entrances that you have to find um to get into them but there's like they have like parties and raves and and stuff in, inside of them it's crazy they're called cataphiles the people who hang out in them really in 1993 I, I forget exactly how they found it, but there were there were miles and miles be- beneath the surface. I, I wrote it down here. They were, uh, you know, several hundred feet down. I don't even know how, how far exactly, but they found this this video camera laying on the ground, you know, by itself. And they took it. They these this guy, he watched the, the video and it shows this guy, this guy he's by himself. He's walking around and he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of like just like putzing along and then he sees something that kind of creeps him out a little bit, it seems. So he starts like moving a little faster and faster and then he starts running and he's breathing really heavy. Like he's like he's definitely scared of something. And then he drops the camera and you just see him running off into the distance, into the darkness. Uh, and supposedly he's never been seen again. Like they don't know who this guy was. No one's ever came forward saying that was me who filmed that. Um, and this was like, like he most likely got lost down there and, you know, and died. Oh my God. 
Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, I could imagine it would be easy to get lost down there, especially, you know, if someone, you know, snuck in or if you didn't have like good equipment to get around. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need a light. There's absolutely no light down there. And I wrote down here that it it was, uh, so there was this guy named Francis Friedman, who was a cataphile. He had been through the catacombs, you know, thousands of times probably. And he put together this map and he figured out that this guy was about 300 feet below the street level um, in some of the most hardest to reach tunnels. And so this guy, Francis, Friedman, he uh he put a team together and they they went for six miles and they reached about three hundred feet below street level, but they still weren't able to find uh where this this guy had ran off to. So they had to like you know give up and they went back, but they were gone for like hours and hours, three hundred feet down, six miles. You know they had to turn around because their batteries were dying. It's creepy. You should watch that video. I'll I'll try I to definitely will. I'll post it on I, I have a Facebook page and stuff, so I'll post it on there for everyone else. But it's it's really creepy. Like you can see the guy, he's walking around and he shines his camera up at this wall, and it's like this skeleton that's like like he's got it's got its arms out and its legs out, kind of like spread eagle against the wall, and he just like freaks out and he starts running. So it's weird. And it's really grainy and old because, you know, it's from the 90s. But some people think it's a hoax, which, I, you know, it could be. But still, it's I, interesting. It is. And I mean, you know, it's like if something had happened to him, you know, like say it was somebody that attacked him. It's like the first thing they would go for is like the camera. Right. Or they would destroy it so it's like the fact that the camera survived right i don't know that definitely adds i think a little credibility apparently the camera roll was continued to, to you know to roll footage for 40 minutes but you, you you could only watch i don't know like five minutes of it or whatever but the guy this francis friedman guy who got the tape he says, and and then the part that you can see, the guy runs off, and there's no one runs after him. You can only hear him running. I mean, because you know these tunnels are full. Some of them are full with bones and water, and so there's like you know you can hear him running through the water, like ch -ch 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 -ch, and no one's chasing him or anything. So, and apparently no one went after him for at least forty minutes until the camera died. Right. So I'm. I mean, that definitely changes it a little bit, but it's, you really wish you could figure out one way or another. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just really wanted to bring that up to you. I thought it was interesting. I know. I'm glad you did. I'm going to look into that now. But yeah, that's pretty much, I wrote down a couple other places. Uh, the, the Monsal Sea Forts, which is in England. I don't know if you ever heard of those. They're like, uh, I think they're like old World War II like towers that are built in the ocean that had some sort of like anti-aircraft weaponry on top. Um, they're abandoned now. And I think they, they used to run a pirate radio out of them at some point in like the 60s or 70s. But uh, 
the Bannerman Castle. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, the Michigan Central Station, which was like a huge, huge train station built in Michigan. And uh, it was like just never used at all. They built it and pretty much abandoned it immediately. Um, and apparently there's an abandoned post office in Arizona, in a ghost town in Arizona called called Jerome. <laughs> I thought that was really yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because when you said like in Michigan, there's um in Cincinnati, Ohio, there's an abandoned subway. Mm. The stations were built and the tunnels were built underground. They ran out of money, <laughs> so the subway was never like added to it, and it was never finished. But a lot of these stations and tunnels are still just there to this day. Right. right. It isn't like um, New York City, isn't there a whole subway system that's just abandoned and like blocked off, I think? Or maybe that's yes. just a movie. I, what's funny, too, there was a horror movie called Mimic that was based on that, too, where these creatures lived in like the deep parts of those tunnels but you know i think after i watched that movie i looked into it and yeah there are definitely there's stations that are like what's kind of creepy about it it's like they're deeper underground than the current stations some of the abandoned ones it's so weird just to think about that you know like people built those first of all and now they're just sitting there underneath newer stations like that's just so weird it really is and i mean just imagining what could be down there the kind of stuff that's happened there um and the last place i had famous abandoned place i had was it's called jazz lands it's a six flags in new orleans that was damaged by hurricane katrina Ooh, i'm glad you brought that up yeah, they just left it there, you know, instead of taking it apart. Why, have you been there? Don't tell me you've been there. No, but trust me, I. it's on my list. <laughs> I know, it seems really cool, an abandoned theme park. You know one place real quick that I have to throw onto the list that I think you'd like? Yeah. Um, I've been to centralia pennsylvania oh wow yeah yep and that's the real life silent hill right yeah that place is weird could you see yeah. like down like smoking and everything in one area and what's really freaky about that area though it's like the only thing there's a couple of buildings you know left up because there is some people that are just choosing to live there right but yeah. other than that what's really kind of just strange about that area is that it's the cemeteries that are left there because they never moved like the bodies <laughs> and there's three cemeteries so it's like you have an abandoned town you know that's burning underground 
that's just filled with like cemeteries and empty streets. Right. Yeah, that's weird. And uh, for people who don't know, Centralio is is a town that has like a coal fire underneath it. It's just I think there was like a fire at at the dump or something. And it caught a like a coal seam on fire and it's just been burning ever since. But that's so cool that you've been there. That's 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 like one of those famous places that you that I always hear about, you know, that you always want to go to, but you know you you'll never get to. So that's really cool that you've been there. No, definitely. It was it to be honest, like I really I kinda had to make a whole trip around going there, but I had just, you know wanted to go there a while and some of the best places i mean definitely take some planning oh yeah to get there and i guess but... that makes me think sorry do you ever um worry about getting like i don't know like asbestos poisoning or i think like that coal fire in centralia it's like poisoning the air like, do you ever worry about that you have a, you wear a mask or something I was going to say, so for me, you know, in the past, I'll admit, when I started out, I wasn't, like, thinking as much about that. But now, you know, I definitely wear masks in places like that. I have, like, one. I've only had to use it a couple of times. But if it's, like, a area that's just beyond, like what you would say contaminated i have like one of those really good masks with like it has like these two filter attachments to it it's like a full right. face mask yeah um, otherwise i'll just wear like a normal like k95 right right but definitely <laughs> something i'd recommend because Mm. To say the least, in most places that, especially places that have been abandoned like 30 plus years, yeah, you're definitely not breathing in good stuff in there. I know that, uh, you know where the Springfield Police Station is? Like the, the current one? The newest one? Yes. It's kind of like, and then there's that old building across from like to the pool there in the the uh by Edgar May, right? Yeah, yeah, that building. I went in there when I was in high school. Um and messed up. Oh god. And then I heard I heard that it was like shut down because it's like totally toxic. <laughs> like you don't want to go in there. Gee. <laughs> so I was like, great. Now I got, got asbestos lung or something. I don't know. Mesothelioma or whatever they call it. Right. But that was a cool place. I don't know. You probably didn't go in there at all, but there were like I know I there I didn't get to go in. I did go in and it's still standing. The old G factory in Ludlow is still standing. What is it? Um, the old G plant in Ludlow. Where is that? Yep, so actually it's kind of funny, but it's right. Like, if you're heading into town, it's right by the library on, like, the, on Mill Street. It's, like, a side street. Oh, oh, okay. But it's, I mean, honestly, a decent size, and it's, like, two floors. You could pretty much just walk right in. 
parts of it are kind of a little bit sketchy with how they're deteriorating for right. sure. Yeah. Yeah, like that place across from Edgar Edgar Maze, there was a there were like weird swimming pools. I don't know what they were used for at some point. They were like they looked like swimming pools. They were full of water and all sorts of I don't know, nasty stuff. That's really all I remember about that. And it was just like everyone had just packed up and left. You know, all the computers were there, all the printers, all the paperwork and files. And it was weird. It was just like they just didn't pack up and leave. They just left, you know. Right. And I know that's sometimes one of the weirdest experiences when you go somewhere where the things left behind just it it really amazes you. But. I can tell you because you probably remember the store Ames. Mm -hmm. I got to explore, which I'm glad I did because it got demolished literally just like a month ago. But (laughs) last year I went to the old headquarters like for the whole company of Ames. It was a massive campus (laughs) and we were in there you know, kind of just exploring around and, you know, it's a similar scenario because they went out of business, you know, like aim shopping cards, receipts, like all sorts of old stuff was just lying around in there. Any like leftover product? Like, was there like old toys and stuff? On a funny note, that's what I was kind of expecting, but the merchandise was gone, but uh. <laughs> although I will <laughs> not to go on a whole topic about hotels, but that's the one place where so many hotels, if you could imagine, uh. everything gets left behind in some cases. I mean, from the TVs to the phones to the sheets, like there was one place that we went to that was just, oh, I, I don't know why this freaked me out, but. We want to hear ho- it. Oh, yeah, this hotel. um, it, It's weird. So we get to like, it kind of would have been almost built into the basement, but it was like a big pool area. And the pools were still filled with water. And there was like almost like a mist coming off of them. That was like kind of just going down the hallway. It, it, it was just really weird to experience that. Yeah, that's super weird, huh? Yeah. Are you a fan of uh, the old Are You Afraid of the Dark series? Have you ever seen that? Oh, God, I'm so glad you brought that up. I I, I always loved that show, and I, I'm not even kidding you. Like, I watched the old episodes, and... You see the one with the pool, with the abandoned pool, and the monster inside the pool? Yep, That's- I know the exact... <laughs> that actually reminds me of kind of, like, where this pool would have been kind of like the equivalent of that just like a pool area in the basement it's so weird that that's what it makes me think of i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> huh. well 
I mean, anything else you'd like to add? Oh, actually, there was one thing I want to talk about really quick. I know we're getting really late here, but uh, um, what about getting in trouble? Have you, like, police and, you know, no trespassing and all this kind of stuff? Is that something you ever worry about? Um, I, this might sound bad. I mean, it's never, it's not that it's a concern, not, wow, it, it is a concern, but I honestly feel like, and at least everybody that I've, like, done this with, it's like, everybody is very, like, cautious, but at the same time, we, it's like you kind of almost... You you, re, you really like plan for those things. I, I know this might sound bad, but I mean, you kind of you, you you plan everything carefully, like where you park. So mm. it's like you kind of take your car out of the equation, so it's not parked anywhere that could be tied to where you are, and then. It's kind of just like knowing the site enough where you're like, well, hypothetically, if a cop were to come, you know, we'd go, we'd just kind of go out here into the woods. I don't know. You kind of just have like a plan just hypothetically what you would do. But like we always say, we're not like vandalizing anything. Most of the time I have at least a camera with me. So, you know, I optimistically hope that even if there was a scenario where a cop did show up, you could just be like, oh, it's just, you know, taking pictures of the outside or. Right. Yeah. I mean, they probably do it so much. They're just like, get out of here. I'm so sick of you. All right. I was going to say, like, it. I've gotten the vibe in most places that. Yeah, it's kind of just one of those things where they probably just don't want to put in the effort where it's like, you know, it could happen all the time. Kind of like, as long as they don't make it a problem, we just right, right. Yeah. aren't going to do anything. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, that's really all I had. I mean, you that. Oh, man, I that 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 I don't know. I'm calling it the. The demonic shadow. That is some creepy stuff, I tell you. I have heard, sorry, I've heard so many stories of of these, like, just people going into these places and trying to raise demons and, I don't know, sacrificing strange things to try and achieve these crazy goals. So just be careful out there. Absolutely. But... Yeah, I mean that's really all I got. I mean that's that's so cool. You've been to all these places. Uh, I I'm I'm glad I've been able to have the experiences, and you know I definitely as I find new places, I kind of just you know give it a go. Yeah, I mean you should definitely check out that treehouse at some point and let me know what it's like. Oh, I'm gonna. Now I've moved that one to the top of my list again. <laughs> yeah, that place is cool. But yeah, cool. Thanks for. I'm so glad we finally did this. I've been waiting and waiting, and it's awesome. It was awesome.
It really was. And I mean, we covered a lot of really just incredible spots. Yeah. And I, I learned I learned some things I didn't even know about. And I'll try to get I'm going to ask that guy about those underground tunnels in Chester and I'll definitely get back to you about that. Please do. Yeah, I'd really love to hear if he knows about them. And I'll let you know what I hear about that. Uh, those underground tunnels. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for coming on. See ya. All right, guys. That was fun. That was creepy. That I don't even know what to call it other than the the shadow demon of uh let's see here. I wrote it down. Right here. Elmcrest Mental Hospital. Man, that just those places. I don't even God, I don't even think I would want to go in those. That's so scary. Especially after hearing about this demonic shadow being that hypnotizes people like, oh Jesus. Um, that was Nick Arduini. Uh, he is an urban explorer. He's been to places such as Undercliff and Seaside Sanatorium. And he's done battle with the demonic shadow creature of Elmcrest Mental Hospital. No, I'm just kidding. But that is an interesting story. Uh, if anyone listening to this has also heard of this this weird demonic shadow uh, being or creature, uh, he said his his friend had called it a a creature, I think, um, which was also very interesting to hear. If anyone have, has ever heard of this, I'm obviously going to look into this this to see if this is something that is new or if this is something that other people have encountered while there. Um, but if you know of anyone who has encountered this demonic shadow creature while exploring uh, Elmcrest Mental Hospital or any of these other places, uh, abandoned sanatoriums, let us know. Send us a message. We want to hear about it. Um, and that was Nick, the urban explorer. He started off in the cemetery looking for ghosts. Now he's exploring all these cool places, you know, all over there. I don't even want to say the tri-state area. This is, he's been all the way into Pennsylvania. So that's great. Um, I had a blast. I learned all sorts of things. He's definitely been to some cool places, seen some freaky stuff. Uh, that definitely sounds almost canon to me. Thank you.